the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 930 AM The Answer. Later, we'll be on Apple Podcasts and podcasts wherever you listen. Also, you can watch live on Facebook, or you can go to YouTube and watch previous episodes there as well. So today, we're going to be talking about case management, but first... I want to talk about Marquardt Law Firm. They're sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, and new businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in district court, county court, or probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law, but because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information you learn today should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, and failing to do your will. Please help Joan Westgore, Katie Reynolds, and me give good information to the listeners about case management today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover... Your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today's show is about discovering the hidden legal issue blind spots of case management with Katie Reynolds and Joan Westcorp, both of whom are registered nurses and certified case managers. This is the end of case management week, and we're going to be discussing a general understanding of case management, what traditional care is and what to expect when planning to discharge from the hospital. If you have questions for a case manager, call us at 210-308-8867 or email me at host at talklawradio.com or post a message in the Facebook Live comment section. Remember to check out Talk Law Radio on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get notified when we post a new video. Last week, Angela Barker was talking to us about legal nurse consulting. You can find her video on YouTube. Next week, we're going to have a rerun, so I need your mm. help. Vote now by emailing me at host at talklawradio.com to let me know whether to run a previous episode about elder law, wills, trusts, probate, power of attorney, real estate, or business, and you can help influence 
what type of show we have. We're talking about case management, mm-hmm. and don't worry, nobody will probably call in, but I have to give them the opportunity. That's 210-308-8867. We're on Talk Law Radio. And so now we're going to start talking about Joan Westcore. Welcome to the show. Hi. Well, Todd, thank you so much. This has been um, an event I've been looking forward to all my life or at least the last couple of months. So uh, I came from Boston, um, in case some people don't know that, and I started out real traditional. Hold on a second. What? How did you get here from Boston? Oh, (laughs) I came by car. I drove with my dog. So I I started out after high school real traditional, went to diploma school of hospital school of nursing, got my basics eventually, I got my bachelor's degree, and that's how I came by car to San Antonio to get my uh, master's degree. Uh, University of Texas Health Science Center was a godsend to me. Uh, what a great opportunity, and I've stayed. And uh, let's see, and somewhere along the line, I did 23 years of active, between active duty and reserves in the Air Force. So I'm a retired awesome. Air Force nurse. Wow. I, I keep that in my back pocket all the time. It's, it's my... It's it's another go-to group I have. Oh, yeah. That's a, a good group to belong to. Thank you for mm-hmm. your service. You're welcome. Katie, tell us how you got to San Antonio. Well, I grew up in upstate New York and came to San Antonio, too, for uh, active duty military service, um, veteran of the United <clears throat> States Air Force. Uh, went right into nursing school and was a bedside intensive care uh, nurse, and also after that went into case management I've been a case manager now for 11 years in the acute and post-acute care setting. My passion is mentoring case managers, mentoring patients in our community. Yeah, I think it's important to remind patients about some things that they should know about while they're at the hospital. Absolutely. Education is key. Okay. Thank you for your backgrounds. Thank you for your service to our United States military for protecting our freedoms here and abroad. It's important. I didn't serve because I had children when I was young, and my wife did not want me to leave the house or the country. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're here on Talk Law Radio talking about case management. Let's uh, define what case management is. Okay, um, for purposes of giving a really good definition to the people that we serve, the consumers, um, patients and family in the hospital, um, in an organization I belong to, Case Management Society of America, has has defined that for the consumer as well. So I'm going to read it to you so I don't miss anything. Case managers are healthcare professionals who serve as patient advocates to support, guide, and coordinate care for patients, families, and caregivers as they navigate their health and wellness journeys. That sounds like a lot. That That's the simple version. Okay. But what will we say to patients when we first meet them, Katie will get into. It's, yeah. it's real more meaningful to them. Okay, Katie, how would you say it? Case management's a vital role of advocating for patient-client care experience, the equity in health care, the integration of mental and physical health, and the impact of social determinants on health. And so a patient in the hospital is going to know their case manager by how? Well, your case managers are going to be registered nurses. They're going to be social workers. They're going to be in uh, many different care settings. They'll be in a acute care hospital, a long-term care hospital, an inpatient rehab facility, a skilled nursing facility. You'll have case managers in the home setting, in the home health care, in the palliative care, in the hospice, and also in the outpatient care clinics. I just don't remember ever somebody coming up to me and saying, hi, I'm your case manager. <laughs> well, there's an assessment that goes on before we, we see you, and Katie will get more into it. Some people are at higher risk and have um, indicators that with needs. And also another area that you'll hear on the phone from case managers is the in- your insurance. Yes. Your insurance companies and, and doctor's offices, perhaps, too, if they're part of a big group. They're so there to guide you as well. Case managers help you understand your health insurance. Uh, other benefits under that one, certainly, and what they can do for you. What you need and what's covered. Correct. Okay. Just 
there is a philosophy of case management that we go by according to, um, you know, uh, case management-wise as far as the, the big picture of, men, of uh, patients' care. And our philosophy is when an individual reaches the optimal level of wellness and functional capability, everyone benefits. Uh, the individual client being served, the patient, the family, the caregiver, the healthcare delivery system, the reimbursement source or payer, so we call it other parties involved, such as the employer and other healthcare advocates. Okay, well, we have to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking more about certified case management. So stay tuned. wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're on 930 AM The Answer. Or you're listening by podcast, or you're listening and watching on Facebook Live. Welcome to our show about case management. We have Joan Westgore and Katie Reynolds. They're uh, registered nurses and certified case managers. And we introduce the definition and philosophy of case management Now we're going to talk about what to expect. Yeah, so as a hospital case manager, what to expect. You'll probably see your case manager within 24 hours of your hospital admission, uh, also in the emergency room if you present there. You can expect a collaborative and thorough assessment of your specific needs. You can expect questions like who do you live with and what your support system is. Um, Whether or not you require assistance with your activities of daily living at home. You can expect to be asked what your baseline function is um, and whether you have certain challenges to meet your your needs at home or your health goals. You'll be asked if you have any advanced directives, such as a directive to physician, a living will, a medical power of attorney, uh, do not resuscitate, so that way we can make sure that we are aware of those documents. If you do not have advanced directives, you'll be asked in regards to whoever your next of kin is. Who's that person to make decisions if you could not? Um, you'll be, you'll, we will provide you di- uh, information on your diagnosis, what to expect on your treatment plan, the things that your physicians have ordered, um, and expect how long your stay is going to be. You can expect that we're going to talk about transitional care, things that you may or may not need when discharging from the hospital. Um, we can, we'll discuss your coverage options within your insurance network and always provide you a choice of the services that are available. Case management often has 100 different healthcare networks that we are working with patients on um, and seeking in network options for. We might be t- dis- discussing long-term care planning. Um, you know, if you're having increased visits to the hospital or you're not having your needs met at home, an alternate living environment or things to support you in the home environment, that'll be help you be successful with your health care goals. Um, we might include an, uh, an elder care advisor in regards to maybe a transition to independent living, assisted living, memory care, personal care homes, more additional services in the home, such as private duty care provider services. We also might be talking about long-term care planning in regards to long-term nursing home care, long-term nursing home care, and what that looks like and how to apply. Uh, we'll discuss what your insurance covers and what you may need to cover as a patient or a family. If you don't carry health insurance, we'll be talking about um, uh, county programs. We'll be talking about community resources, how to obtain medications uh, through medica- better medication coverage. Um, 
of no, you know, Medicare open enrollment period starts October 15th and lasts through December 7th. Um, the healthcare marketplace opens November 1st and ends mm. January 15th. So if you have enrollment changes you need to make or enroll in new coverage, that is available and those enrollment periods are coming up. We'll also discuss, um, you know, we're the stewards of transitional care and explain what to expect at each level of care. The goal is to have the right level of care at the right time. This sounds like a pretty heavy conversation. And is that easy or difficult? We have anywhere between, it could take anywhere between five minutes and 15 minutes. There are at-risk individuals who have higher higher risks and higher uh, needs, um, which will take a case manager to spend a little bit more time with them. So depending on somebody's situation is whether you would cover all of that stuff or just part of it? Yes, yeah, some of it is very basic, and then the risk assessment will kind of drive you into those additional questions. Okay, Joan? So, so with that said... I want to talk about the fundamentals, the important fundamentals for certified case managers. And within my the organization, CMSA, which I said is Case Management Society of America, which is the oldest and largest professional organization uh, that was established in 1990. I'll talk more about that at the last okay. uh, couple minutes. But what's really important, uh, out of the 16 fundamental principles, there's two that we're talking about today is ethics and advocacy. And Katie and I will expand upon it. So just to read the 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 okay. uh, the, the, the version, here we are. Um, so the ethic, the fundamental ethical principles are essentially autonomy, respect to individuals, rights to make their own decisions, beneficence to do good, fidelity to follow through and keep promises, justice to treat others fairly, and non-maleficence to do no harm. Okay. So that's what guides us. That's what's our passion to keep, to protect the the the, the consumers, the clients, and the well, public. doesn't everybody want to do that? Yes, we hope. So. Yes, of course. <laughs> we, but it, it's, we hope so. it, it's a foundation. Yeah, it's it's kind of a principle of standards too that case management should practice by. And when you're a certified case manager, you are held to those standards, which start with that thorough assessment, that thorough bedside assessment or home health assessment, whichever environment you're in. You can't prevent or pre- present a good plan of care unless that thorough assessment gives you the information uh, that you need mm-hmm. to devise that plan. So that's the key of setting that standard of, of practice. Um, Are there some case managers that aren't certified? Well, yes. Um, it's Case management isn't a, an entry-level job. It takes a lot of experience time-wise and professional uh, involvements with to have a greater understanding of of the healthcare system too, um, so not everyone is certified. But each of the certifying organizations and boards have a long list of criteria. So usually you have to be fairly tenured to to even sit for the exam. Okay. There are rules as far as uh, timing of when you can get certified. So you'll find that a case manager, if they are starting out in the beginning, they're going to be mentored. They're going to be doing hands-on, on-the-job type of a training and then grow in their practice. And as they grow in their practice, you'll find that they want to become certified. Um, So that's kind of how that transitions. And what are some of the advantages of being certified to the case manager? Well, you you have recognition from your peers with your – knowledge, mm-hmm. authenticated knowledge, yeah. you pass the test Right. And, uh, besides that, and uh, respect. And when you say you're certified, you're held accountable to not just your board of nursing or the social work licensing, mm-hmm. but you're accountable to your organization from which you've been certified. So as a certified case manager, the the standards of ethics and the other 15 principles all mm-hmm. apply. It's regulatory. And um, somebody probably wants to do a, a good job, and, and that lets them know that they're, mm-hmm. they know all of those principles. Yeah, and also, and Katie might be able to say something to this, many employees will reimburse or, or pay higher or, or recognize certification as a real value-added mm-hmm. uh, person to their organization. I think every line of nursing, whether it's a, you know, a bedside nurse, an advanced practice nurse, a doctoral nurse, they all start in their profession and their area of expertise, and, and the end goal is to become certified, whether you're a, a, med, a, red cert, 
med surge nurse or an oncology nurse. There's a certification for every field. Um, and so certification and case management kind of uh, put you to a point where you, you know, you're becoming a subject matter expert um, in that okay. field and in you that know, area. Joan told me you were a subject matter expert. Did you know that? Is that, is that what they say about you? Well, people ask me, um, you know, um, the way I practice, it's, it comes from a wealth of knowledge that I've placed myself into different environments. Um, I've worked in the acute and the post-acute in many different levels of that transitional care term we talk about. And so I see the things that are working that are not working, and I bring that back to the hospital setting to, to perform a better assessment of needs to realize it's the questions that you're asking. If you're not asking the right questions, you may not get that um, assess, full assessment that you're okay. looking for. So collectively, uh, I do consider myself a subject matter expert. It's come with a lot of mentoring. Um, it's come with a lot of experience behind my belt. You're very passionate about what you do. I think we both are. I think that's why we sit here together. <laughs> <laughs> we have had these same discussions the last couple of years off and on. And this is just an extension of it, bringing it to the public. Okay, so the audience is probably wondering whether you work together. I don't think we've talked about oh, that yet. Oh, that's right. I forgot to say it. I've been a case manager since 1996. I've been certified since 2011. It took me that long to get brave enough to sit for the exam. Mm -hmm. Katie and I met while we worked at uh, BAMSI, SAMSI, Brookhammy Medical Center, mm -hmm. uh, for some time in case management. And she was, in, in my eyes, amongst everybody, she was just that unique that she had that that same feeling I did. Mm -hmm. And so you, no, neither one of you work for BAMSI or SAMSI no. right now. Oh, right. And I retired from Brookhammy Medical Center as a case manager. I'm sorry to make you say that. You didn't want to say that <laughs> no. word. <laughs> no, that's because... Um, you're doing something okay. else now anyway. Yeah, which I think is a great segue because Joan and I worked together um, in the acute care setting, but then we transitioned and created this um, relationship of after she retired, she then became an advocate for my patients, um, mm -hmm. which was real important. And I knew um, her background and I knew, you know, as a nurse and as a uh, a certified case manager that she and her advocacy she would bring so much more to the table for the patient and their family so her and I work together in regards to I make referrals um, I have patients you know as I spoke about may need to engage an elder care advisor and that's what Joan is uh, to my patients right now an elder care advisor an extension of a hospital case manager into the community as to what the community offers to the patient let me ask this if when a patient leaves the hospital, do you do you wonder how they're doing? I often keep, um, depending on their level of risk, I often, uh, I 100% I all the time wonder. But I also, also pass the baton on to Joan for those high-risk ones or those ones that need more, uh, you know, steps to the discharge planning process. And then she'll get back to me as to how they their outcome is. And that's perfect question you asked her because that is the same thing I always wondered about when I was working. Um, what happens to the families after they leave the mm -hmm. hospital in a skilled setting uh, arena. And I would refer to people in the community who do what they do to help my patients. A month or so later or a couple of weeks or even a year later, I get a call back and they tell me what, what had what had occurred and, and the successes they had with the family. And so so after some time after retiring, I simply was, I didn't realize I'd been mentored by my, my current manager now from Home to Home for Seniors, Barbara Lambert, as many people know. She had mentored me into believing that I could do the same thing, and I've done it. And I find my, my experiences from the hospital setting is, is just phenomenal. I can identify with everything that Katie and other people tell me from the clinical side and speak to the families for things that they really need to know. So besides families saying thank you for coordinating their care, how, do you, how does a case manager know if they're doing a good job at work? Case managers, um, outcomes. Case, man okay. case management and healthcare care systems are driven by outcomes. The things we ask, the things we do, the things we transition, that right level of care at the right time, all has to do with the best possible health outcome for that patient. And I think, you know, with the best possible outcomes, 
your case manager is going to be rewarded in, in how well you do as far mm-hmm. as, um, you know, not returning to the hospital, no repeat admissions, um, you know, transitioning you to the next care level with the end goal to get home in mind. We always say home is best, um, but what it's going to take to get there and to reach your health outcomes. Great. Yeah, that's what I figured mm-hmm. because the at least Medicare has uh, some standards that if, if their patients end up back at the hospital, then maybe the hospital gets a reduced um, pay rate or something like yeah. that. It, it goes with that philosophy of case management. The philosophy of case management looks at the patient, looks at the healthcare system as a whole, including the payer source, the patient, the family. Everybody is invested in that health outcome, and that starts with the case management assessment. Awesome. Thank you, guys. We're going to talk more about case management, but first, we're going to take a break. So stay tuned and stay with us. Back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt on 9:30 a.m. The Answer, and on podcasts, and on Facebook Live, and on YouTube. So if you haven't seen us on YouTube yet, please go there and subscribe to our channel so that you can get notifications when a new video is posted. Today we're talking about case management with Katie Reynolds and Joan Westgore, both of whom are registered nurses and certified case managers. This is the end of National Case Management Week, and we've been discussing a general understanding of case management, what traditional care, transitional care is, what to expect when planning to discharge from the hospital. So if you have questions for us, please call at 210-308-8867 or email me at host at talklawradio.com, or you can post a comment in the Facebook Live video right now. Remember to check out Talk Law Radio on YouTube, where you can find last week's presentation with Angela Barker, who talked to us about legal nurse consulting. Next week, we're going to have a rerun, so I need your help. (laughs) You can help me decide which rerun to post by letting me know how you would vote at by emailing me at host at talklawradio.com, or you can let us know on a Facebook comment. Let me know whether you want to see an episode about elder law, wills, trusts, probate, power of attorney, real estate, or business. But first, let's get back to case management. Um, y'all are, were uh, telling me earlier about the ethics of case management, what are they? Well, I think it's important. We went over the ethical, uh, you know, terms uh, prior to the break that Joan reviewed, the autonomy, the beneficence, the fidelity, the justice, and the non-malfeasance. And I think in layman's terms, it's best to understand that the patient's rights are to be expe- uh, to be respected. It's important to understand their health care goals. A patient-centered health care approach is very important. We can't move on unless we understand what that patient's health care goal is. Um, I think it's important that the patient needs to be treated without any bias, malice, or any prejudice. Um, You know, certain ethical considerations to um, understand is we have to make sure we provide the patient their options, educate them about what what transitional care is, provide them a choice. Um, We can't make the choices for them. Um, The challenges that we come to... uh, in the hospital setting are the patient's ability to understand, the patient's ability to reason and appreciate the nature and the consequences of the health care uh, treatment plan. Um, this may be due to poor health literacy, mental health barriers, those with disabilities, intermittent memory loss, dementia, Alzheimer's. Those things come into effect as we think about ethical considerations. Um, not identifying uh, proper next of kin or a designated healthcare proxy may be court appointed as far as um, to represent that patient. 
healthcare coordinators are having to make reasonable and prudent measures to address these types of scenarios and, and ethical considerations every day. Ethics are important in every industry and profession, and it seems like that your certification puts a big emphasis on that as well. Absolutely. Joan, why is that important to you? It keeps me doing the right thing, thinking about the right thing, and just anecdotally, just one anecdote. I'd always think on Friday afternoon, if I'm making a hasty decision because it's Friday afternoon, I try to make decisions so I don't end up in my boss's office on Monday Monday morning asking why I did that. What what, yeah, what led you point. to do that? So I always, you know, keep... What, keep a, when, when you keep the patient at the center of your planning and the center of your <clears throat> assessment, um, you everything should always guide you. Um, don't let it be, you know, the outside influence. Don't let it be um, anything but that patient's health care goal. Um, everybody's health care goal is different in help guiding them and educating them on, you know, what's not going right, what is going right, and what are the opportunities to make it better. Um, the patient should be at the center, and when we keep that there, we're always going to be ethically in line. And, and then I'd like to add, it's not just a Friday afternoon scenario, but in hospitals or in other institutions, through the continuum, rehab or skilled nursing, mm-hmm. they need to have the patient discharged timely or they have to have them discharged before we think they're ready to go. So patient safety, a safe uh, discharge to the next level of care, that's the transition secure, is very important. So having to put that ahead of um, uh, other people telling you it's discharge them today or get, you know, we're going to discharge today. You have to have everything set up. And you say if it's not safe yet Mm -hmm. or there's a lack of understanding or resources just aren't in place yet, that's what makes me or what made me say stop for a minute. Let me see what we can do. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I did have a client that was telling me an anecdote about how, um, they were going to discharge her husband from the hospital, and she told him he's not ready yet. Mm-hmm. Usually people are trying to get out as soon as they can, and it was unique to me that she said he's not ready yet. I think a better understanding, and I, and I hear that often um, from families, and that's why it's important for a case manager to educate on the diagnosis and the anticipated length of stay, because our anticipated length of stay knowing that up front will help the families prepare. And that's a part of why we do discharge planning within 24 hours, too. We set the pace for the planning and how long it's going to take so our families are not feeling rushed. Inevitably, they will always feel rushed, so it seems, in in common practice. But the planning um, is real key important, so that way they have the time um, presenting the options earlier on in the stay because as things go on in the stay, different things can happen. The discharge plan can change from day to day. One day you may think they're going home, and the next day uh, we're going to a rehab center. Um, and so things happen very quickly, so it is important that the case manager work closely with the patient and the patient and the family understand that there is time is of essence There is a medical necessity that has to be had in a hospital setting or any other setting. So when a case manager presents to you, it is important to work very closely and very diligently with the goal of mind of getting to that discharge plan, a solid discharge plan, when the doctor says it's time for discharge. I I have heard that, too, uh, a complaint by, by somebody about how their discharge was delayed. I'm supposed to go home today. But then at the end of the day, they say, you're not going home till tomorrow. But it's because something within their health is changing as well. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to the safe discharge plan and the right level of care at the right time that Joan was talking about. Some things that are out of the control of a hospital setting may be partnering with post-acute providers, maybe insurance-related issues to where if you're not starting the planning at a timely fashion, your insurance is now the barrier a day or two delaying the discharge. So it's key that we plan for the worst and we hope for the best. We're planning for the worst possible scenario where we need an insurance auth. We have an insurance auth, or maybe you've progressed then where you don't need it and you can go home. But um, my approach has always been plan for the worst and hope for the best. And there's a lot of people that probably influence your planning 
you have well physicians and nurses and specialists, right? Exactly. And what I should have said in the beginning, because what we do is a collaborative practice between all the team players and reflecting on the acute care hospital setting, of course, and as many besides the physicians, the physical therapists, the occupational therapists, social workers, the chaplain. It could be the JAG office and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. So we, as case managers, try to be the team leader in getting everything done as best as we can in a safe fashion and letting the rest of the team members know. Yeah, it's many, collaborative. Yeah. It's the way we work. Many different perspectives that are coming into the discharge plan. Well, and, and also the outside, the community resources. It's got to say someone's discharging and they live 75 miles away from the hospital. It's a rural setting. Finding a home health care under a particular insurance is sometimes a little bit challenging. Challenging. Yeah, we talked yes. about over 100 different health care policies that we can work with on an average day. Um, put that with maybe limited staffing, uh, different levels of knowledge, or um, timing of discharge. Maybe you have a day, two, 2.5 days to work. What's in network with that insurance plan can be very much a time crunch. And you manage several patients probably at any time, right? Yeah, and uh, different levels of care offer different caseloads. In a hospital setting, you can have anywhere from 15, sometimes 20 patients uh, per day, sometimes upwards of 30 um, we do hospital case management Monday through Sunday. That's a huge change as to what we've seen in the prior years. So case management has moved from a Monday through Friday, things close in the evening, and uh, Saturday, Sunday, you can't get things done to where we are now a full Monday through Sunday type of planning assistance. Um, we're discharging every day of the week. Uh, Saturdays and Sundays are just as key discharge days as Monday through Friday these days. 24-7 nights 24/7. and weekends. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We have all paid our dues. And we have different case managers that are uh, staffed in different settings of the hospital, too, in different um, shifts to mm-hmm. meet those needs of the evening, the weekends, early mornings, ER. Okay. It's pretty and effective. so we've been talking a lot about the high ethical standards, uh, but we haven't said what any of the hidden issue blind spots are yet so maybe we can address that after the break sounds good okay so stay with us we'll be right back Wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9:30 a.m. The Answer, and also you're probably listening on podcast or Facebook or even on YouTube. If you want to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, just search for Talk Law Radio. And uh, next week, I want to let you know that we're going to be having a rerun, and you can vote as to what program we have. By email me at host at talklawradio.com and uh, let me know if you want to hear about elder law, estates, wills, trusts, probate, power of attorney, real estate, or business. So email me that answer at host at talklawradio.com. We've been talking about case management with Joan Westgore and Katie Reynolds both of whom are registered nurses and certified case managers. And we were talking about the ethics of case management. 
what can we say about some of the hidden issue blind spots in case management? I think it, the biggest key takeaway in ethical considerations is to place the patient at the forefront. Educating your patient on options and choices and never steering away from its patient choice. Medicare offers conditions of participation, and in order to be, um, you know, with beneficiaries of Medicare and to practice in a hospital setting or any place that receives Medicare or Medicaid reimbursements, we have to go back with the patient's choice, the patient's choice on the level of care, the transition of care, and the next step. That's the ethical piece, I think, the biggest thing here to take away. Um, uh, as far as, you know, the right level of care at the right time, that's the next piece ethically. Um, utilize the patient's benefits appropriately. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to say on that, so I'm trying to keep it brief. Okay. <laughs> well, this is our last segment. You know what that means. And now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. So, because Marquardt Law Firm sponsors the show and because we focus on business and estate law, including wills, trusts, and legacy planning, we always like to talk about legacy on the show. And a person's legacy could be the little knickknacks and heirlooms that they leave behind to their family, or it could be something like family values. So I wanted to ask you all about your legacy. Tell us about your thoughts on the subject. Okay. Katie and I <laughs> are going to address our legacy to the community, which, of course, here is San Antonio, and what we hope all case managers have in their legacy for future case managers is mentoring. Very, very important. Mentoring. And along with that, I wanted to just address the second fundamental principle, so to speak, from, uh, case, for case managers is advocacy. And advocacy is very, very important to me. I've been involved with it in my local chapter here, the Alamo chapter. I've somehow got a designation of poli public policy director, but basically I, I follow public policy with the national group. And just recently I was invited to... Uh, the National Public Policy Committee from Case Management Society of America. So I've just joined, I've just been invited, and I accepted their invitation. And we do a lot of advocacy, not just, you know, on a person-to-person -person level in the hospital and be their patient advocate, but also on the governmental level. I started out doing grassroots um, advocacy here in San Antonio with my group when there were particular um, issues or or changes in the law and, cha and changes in the law, of course, uh, which um, we well, I'm trying to say that that I got got my group to make phone calls to their congressmen. I was wondering, yes, what, what exactly steps did you take grassroots? Uh, well, there were there certain pieces of legislation that we wanted to have our case management name and our voice at the table. Mm -hmm. And so through the CMSA, the organization, we actually have Capitol Hill days. But before that, I would get my many, many people in my, in my chapter to make phone calls uh, to local, to our five representatives that um, slice and dice San Antonio mm -hmm. and to our two senators. And it was, uh, it was a programmed template, but but I know that they spoke when they get, left their message, and sometimes we called during the day and spoke to real people. Mm -hmm. And we went to Capitol Hill, and I've been, I've had people with me from the group going to the district offices here too, and letting them know what we were advocating for. Um, so, with that said, CMSA's current policy for advocacy, after all the COVID and all the turmoil in the workplace and everything, was focusing on the Cures Act. And just uh, anecdotally, so you know what it really stands for, this is the act that gave us the stipends. It's the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act. So the uh, so CMSA is focusing and we have extra extrapolated, extrapolated out of that big CARES Act the three main things we're really passionate about, mental health, telehealth, and workforce development. Very, very important. Um, and also, um, 
I don't know if everybody knows or if it's been public. It's out there in the public, but there is now a crisis line for mental health, not not the nine one one for medical emergencies, mm-hmm. but the new mental health crisis line is nine eight eight. Okay, am I, I right? Didn't know am I that. right on that? I didn't know. It came out in July. <laughs> okay, okay, nine eight eight, and and so because our legacy is mentoring and also consumer education. We have the National Case Management Week, which is always celebrated the second, uh, the second week in October because CMSA was founded in October in 1990 and along about 1988. All of the um, certifying organizations and professional organizations with case management came and they collaborated to, to have that week designated. It started off with resolutions from the Senate, but now we get pro- proclamations from our governors and our mayors. So I am really proud to say that for yeah. the for the eighth for the for, I think it's the eighth year in a row the city clerk has um, has organized has present has has been able to get the mayor to do the proclamation. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think she had to turn. I don't think she had to bend any elbows for that <laughs> one. But there is a process to do that. So I and guess you were instrumental in doing yes, that for several I've, years. I've been getting the proclamations. And Katie and I, for the first time, collaborated to go downtown together and picked it up at City Hall. And um, that's that's grassroots, right? Yeah. It's very grassroots. Something to be proud of, something very you'll proud. see hanging in case management departments. Yes. Yeah, so this last week, um, many of the people uh, who get around from hospital to hospital have copies of the proclamation. And I should say that our theme this year is um, setting the standard for patient-centered care. Which is what ex- Katie's been talking and about it's exact, the whole time. Yes, it is exactly <laughs> what we do. And she also said that's the second line, a collaborative approach. It is, collaborative approach. So why is it important to you that this be presented by the mayor? Because it gives us as a professional organization exposure, respect, shows our dedication. And the bottom line of the proclamation, uh, I'm not going to read it, but it's, it expresses their gratitude for what we do as profession, as a professional for the, for the for, for people of San Antonio. Right. We protect public health on a broader scale. Okay. Case management sometimes known as the secret sauce. Some things that you don't understand are in place and you never knew. People talk about how the plan gets into place. It takes a lot of different efforts, a lot of different collaborative approach, and that case manager's right there behind that all. And that's kind of the secret to um, quality of transitions. You're mm-hmm. the unsung heroes. Yes, yes. And you have to deal with the hospital bureaucracy and the staff and everything in between, right? Everything in between. You don't want to say anything about that? I think when the philosophy is at the heart, though, everybody is in collaboration together. So something I wanted to mention about legacy is uh, something I found on Facebook because I'm I'm in that age group that likes to scroll on Facebook. It's a... It's a poetry group um, that posted something from Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it says, To laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. And you can't see her because she's sitting off camera, but my daughter Caitlin's here today, and um, I I would say that I will have succeeded because of um, her being my child and carrying on... uh, my legacy, whatever she's learned from me, I'm not sure what that is yet. Um, but I also wanted to say that I, I think I see a lot of the values that you've talked about today and what Ralph Emerson said with having impacted individual patients. And then, Joan, 
with you taking everything to the the city, the state, and the national level by advocating for higher standards and recognition mm-hmm. of case managers. You've probably influenced thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands, or even millions of people. Oh, absolutely. And I know you're not exaggerating. So, exactly. It's much bigger than the individual. It's definitely community-based, surrounding communities. It's a large impact. Okay, anything else you want to say about case management Case management mm-hmm. before we end the show? Yeah. Well, as, as nurses enter the industry and they're looking around for another way to pr- progress in their career, case management is definitely a place to go. Speak to one of us. I mean, I don't mean Katie and I, but speak to someone in your institution or your workplace and see what they had to do to get there. And, and they will mentor you because we need the, the, newer, the younger generations to step up. Great. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. We appreciate your perspective on case management and joining us on Talk Law Radio. Uh, Remember to subscribe to the Talk Law Radio YouTube channel and remember to vote on what you want to listen to or what you want to watch next week by emailing me at host at talklawradio.com. Let me know if you want to learn about elder law estates, uh, wills, trusts, probate, uh, real estate, power of attorney, or business. I'll talk to you later. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.